Welcome once again to the Northern Kentucky Spotlight. We are back in the old digs, right? The new digs, yep. so to speak. I'm Catherine Nero, and welcome once again. We want to thank our title sponsor for the Northern Kentucky Spotlight, CVG, a studio sponsor, new studio sponsor this time around, LNN Federal Credit Union. Again, I'm Catherine Nero alongside Jeremy Schrand, the Director of Marketing and Communications here for the Northern Kentucky Chamber. Glad to be back. Yes. This is a good, good show we got yes, rolling it's, today. It's a little easier to set it up when we're not at the convention center trying to deal with their Wi-Fi and all the people going around setting up the tables and all that stuff. But today, we've got some great topics. Yes, we do. And it kind of is all centered around stuff that kind of affects, that we're, that we're working on inside Workforce with the Grow NKY. Um, some stuff that's like, that fits right into like policies and practices mm -hmm. in the workplace. And also with the talent and retention. So our first guest is going to be Dr. Mark Nagy. I think I said that right. And we're going to talk about why you should care about civility in the workplace. And then we're going to have Gary Warden from Gilman Partners come in and talk about talent, attraction, and retention, and why he stayed in this area. How about that? Uh, two, two notes here. Number one, we're in season two. Yes. In case you missed it, we are in season well, two, in episode season two. two. So, you know, just remember that on your Netflix playlist now. Um, but in addition to that, we also have some uh, uh, fancy new additions for you guys watching yes. us on Facebook we Live. We have upgraded the technology. Very fancy. My fingers are crossed that this is going <laughs> to work. But we're going to now get a message from our sponsor, LNN Federal Credit Union. Sometimes life is hectic. Choosing a mortgage lender shouldn't be. The LNN 55 Mortgage offers competitive rates, no PMI, and up to 100% financing. That's a mortgage that comes with peace of mind. Whether you're purchasing a new home or refinancing, you'll feel right at home with LNN. We're local, trusted, and we'll be here for you even after your closing. Call 800 292 2905 and get started on your 55 mortgage. LNN Federal Credit Union. Welcome home. Your fingers crossed and it worked. Congratulations. Well, I, think, I think we worked. <laughs> and thank you to LNN for your support there. All right, we're going to talk about something that affects, I don't care where you are or who you work for or with, civility affects you. Why should you care about civility in the workplace? Our guest is Dr. Mark Nagy from Marcus Management. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, let's start this thing off. What is civility? Is, is it just being nice or is there more to it? Well, it, it, of course, there's always a little bit more to it, but at its simplest form, it's behavior that helps preserve expectations for mutual respect. And maybe a key word in that sense is mutual respect. So the respect has to go both ways. So how does that kind of take shape in the, in the, in the world of the workplace? Well, what we found with civility is that it's, civility is not like a personality or something where it's an individual thing. It's, it's, it operates in a work group setting. Mm -hmm. So for example, on a, on a, a pediatric floor in a hospital, there would be civility, you would look at civility and, and how that team interacts with each other. So it's not, oh, I'm a civil person or I'm an uncivil person. It's how the team interacts with each other. And that that is what civility is, is, is more of a, if you will, more of a work group kind of idea than, a, than an individual idea. Awesome. Um, so how does that differ from incivility? Well, in, incivility is an individual. I mean, in, yeah. in, you know, in, in its basic form, in, incivility is like a low-level low deviant behavior that is ambiguous in nature. So if somebody doesn't ask you to lunch, you're not sure if that was intentional or if that wasn't intentional, but that's more of an individual interpreting a behavior, whereas civility is more of a work group and how a work group interacts with each other. So how does this affect how a workplace functions? Like, what are what are the outcomes affected? Like, that are affected by civility? Well, you know, you'd think something just about being nicer or mm -hmm. feeling 
that there's respect that it wouldn't really have a lot to do, but the research shows that it has a lot to do with a, a lot of important um, work group variables. Things like we find that it's related to higher job performance, higher job satisfaction, um, increased perceptions of fairness, lower turnover, lower absenteeism, and even in a study that if, you, if I, we have a couple minutes I can tell you about, lower EEO complaints. So it has an impact on a lot of important outcomes that organizations care quite deeply about. Um, so how, how can we increase civility in the workplace? How can we make it better if well, it's not there? This is, you know, this is, there's training involved. And actually what's, what I think is great about civility is it is not just about civility, but it can have impacts in other areas. For example, sexual harassment in the workplace. I mean, if you think about it, harassment at its basic form is disrespect. So how can we come to a better understanding of what is respectful behavior? And with civility training, by getting a group together, you can focus on what behaviors are appropriate, or said another way, what behaviors folks should do, pause, mm -hmm. <laughs> and not what behaviors they should avoid, which you see a lot of times in sexual harassment training, for example. Don't do this, don't do that, but it doesn't tell you what to do. Right. When you get a group together and you talk about what it means for that group to be civil to each other, the group defines for themselves what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. My guess is, I haven't worked there, but my guess is maybe on an oncology floor, some of the banter that goes around might not seem acceptable to maybe some of us, mm -hmm. but maybe that's how they deal with, it, with that situation. If you get the group together and you can say, okay, these are, this is what's acceptable, this is, we agree to this um, being okay, everyone is on the same page about what it means to be respectful to each other. And then they can go forward with that. Um, also with, this, with the civility training, what we, what we typically do in our training is we go around and make sure everyone understands everyone else's role on that team. Because everyone's role is important. I mean, working, a colleague of mine worked with a, uh, a group one time and uh, it was on, in a hospital. And the janitor realized at the end of the training that his job was just as important as a world-class surgeon because if that operating room wasn't sterile, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how good that surgeon mm -hmm. is. So everyone has an important role on the team and when people understand others' roles, that again can, can help foster that civility and, and respecting among, respect among everyone in the workroom. Let's talk about that training a little bit. When you do these uh, sorts of trainings, is this employers and um, say management or employees and management as well? Are they all in there together? Usually it's, a, it's an intact work team, which okay. may include management, okay. it may not. But honestly, at the risk of sounding like I'm self-promoting, but you really do need somebody from the outside to facilitate this discussion. Because you come in with your own ideas of what somebody does and how they do it. Right. Yeah. And, and some of these conversations may not be always pleasant. Mm -hmm. um, for example, if I send you an email and you don't send a response back in two days, that might come out in these discussions about what's an appropriate time to respond to an email. Mm -hmm. And I might say, Catherine, you know, you didn't respond to my email. I don't know if, if, if I did something wrong, if you don't like me, whatever the case may be, but by having these discussions, which sometimes might be a little bit dicey, um, you can get through that and then, again, come to a common understanding of what we can expect. And, and, and going forward, importantly, how we can hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. So if we agree that certain jokes or whatever are not appropriate in the workplace, and then three, three four weeks later, somebody's telling a joke that's along those lines, so we can say, hey, Jeremy, I, I, I thought we kind of talked mm -hmm. and we went. Mm -hmm. and, and instead of this coming out of left field, 
we've had this discussion, we have something to pull from, we have a common understanding of what's appropriate and not appropriate. So that really fosters this, this idea of mutual respect. So if, if uh, a business that's listening right now is interested in one of these civility trainings, mm -hmm. how do they reach out to you? How do well, they get in contact? They can contact you know um, myself or my business partners as Debbie Carl Maggie at the easiest way to contact us would be marcusmanagement.com. That's our website. Okay. Um, I am Mark at Marcus Management, or Marcus MGMT. So yep. it's not written out, but it's M A R C U S M G M T dot com, um, and and go from there. But the the idea though, what what trips some people up is that you really should do intact work groups mm -hmm. instead of an entire organization. Now that can flow up to an entire organization, but again, what what's appropriate in one setting may not be appropriate in another. So you just can't it can't come from on high. It has to come from the ground up. It's really interesting. I mean, especially considering how much time we all spend at work. Exactly. You might as well get along with the folks that uh, you're dealing with, right? Well, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be respected. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah. you, you don't have to like somebody, but if you respect them, then that can absolutely. Help you that and that's yeah. why it's related to all those outcomes that mm -hmm. I, I mentioned earlier the satisfaction and the performance and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, so it is Leadership Month at the Chamber. Oh. So that's our big theme. So we have a question that we're going to be asking everybody this month. You're the first. Okay. For this Congratulations. Month. Yeah. Thanks. Hopefully we start off with a home run. No, it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> so what is the best piece of leadership advice you have ever received? Well, I teach leadership theory. I'm a professor at Xavier. Oh, well, this isn't fair at all. Because no, well, he's just going to get a slide presentation. Yeah. He has lots of things to say. He has to just pick one. Right. And honestly, though, and, and this is going to, what I'm going to say has not come from any of those theories. And I know this is basic, but if you treat people the way you want to be treated, you're going to be a good leader. And that really, I think, also jives with civility. With yeah. civility. Absolutely. If you, if, you, if you just simply take a moment to think about how you're talking to somebody, how you're treating somebody, if somebody's having a difficult uh, time with maybe a parent that's going through a, a difficult situation or whatever, if you treat them the way you want to be treated, I think you'll be perceived as a good leader. In fact, the research shows that. The research shows that leaders who are perceived to be high in civility are also perceived not only to be more warm, but to be more effective. So I kind of go back to that golden rule. I think that that works. I think it applies for a lot. Absolutely. Dr. Nagy, thank you so much. I thank appreciate you. it. Hey, there's a, a lot that has happened in Northern Kentucky this week. We're going to be talking about it. Maybe a giant new uh, kind of um, change happening on the riverfront. All yeah, that yeah. coming your way in just a little bit. So stay with us. CBG Airport is the lowest fare airport in the tri-state region with 54 non-stop flights and direct international service to seven destinations, including Paris, France, and now home to both DHLs and Amazon's global cargo hubs. The airport is furthering its position as leader in aviation and is deeply committed to being an economic driver for the community. You can learn more and start your next adventure at CVGAirport.com. Oh. Hey there. Hi there. Did you say we're back, Ben? Thank you. You gotta yell at me while I'm talking. All right, so back to the Northern Kentucky Spotlight. We're gonna be talking about all kinds of fun stuff, including the Hope Box Derby coming up in just a little bit. But I mentioned a minute ago, big things happening on the riverfront. Robling Point, this, the, to say it's getting a makeover is, that is an understatement yes. if, if the plans come to fruition. This thing is gonna be amazing. They're gonna be calling it Covington Yard. It's a, roughly fourth and green up down um, where like, Smoke Justice, Molly Malone's, that whole area is. There's going to be green space, a patio, an outdoor bar, six ocean shipping containers for food vendors. Now, I was gone last week. I actually went to a place that was exactly like this yes. in yes. Uh, near Destin. It's called The Hub. And it is, it's so, it's, the beauty of it is you can do a little or a lot. 
and there were families there, there were you know adults there, there were I mean all kinds of stuff. So and one of uh, a chamber member architects, however, yeah. is designing it so you know it's going to look. Oh, awesome. it's going to be fantastic. Yes. We can't wait to see it, um, and so we'll see what happens with that. Now it's going to be down the road, so this is all kind of picking up as the Kenton County government building. Um, begins its move and the old government building is going to be a hundred apartments and probably retail space as well yep um the new building opens on september 24th mm -hmm. which it, it's it's going to be awesome and i really love how they put the bavarian logo yeah. back up on there my That's grandfather great. worked for bavarian oh really like and, awesome. and my dad's obsessed with it like he's got bavarian it stuff so all good. over his basement and stuff so it's, it's just really cool to see them bring that that logo back up to life on that building yeah um Thomas Moore prepares to inaugurate their new president. Um, the weekly activities starts on uh, September 20th um, with the first pitch of the Reds game. Yes, yeah, so the President Chillo. There's uh, be a lot of Thomas Moore fans there. Uh, there's it's yeah, it's like Thomas Moore Day or something. Hey, you'd be nice. Those red lights, they're still hanging in there. Hey, uh, they're not, but that's okay. It's okay. Listen, it's Marty's last stand. People are yeah, coming if nothing yes, else for yes. that. Um, so his inauguration is September 25th, and might I just point out, then on the Inquirer's Facebook page, the day before the 24th, I will be interviewing him live, President Chillo, on uh, Coffee Break with Catherine, 10 a.m. on the Facebook page there on the Inquirer. Um, so, listen, if you're a Thomas More student or alum, there are a million things to do. So, there's a pig roast. There are all kinds of, like, award ceremonies and stuff. So you got to RSVP for some of it, but just go ahead and do that because it'll be a big week. Absolutely. Oh, another big, huge piece of news is the Latonia racetrack might be the new back. one yeah i'm very new Latonia. this is you pointed this out jeremy this seems good on the uh surface yeah, but like, there's some yeah there's, underlying there's issues some underlying there things. so um, so we haven't really heard where it's going no one knows where it's right. going to go um basically what happened was uh churchill had until a few weeks ago to put in to get turfways racing dates mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. churchill has applied to take away turfways racing dates they're going to keep them up here once they build this new track. Okay. But that new track is contingent on them getting the racing days from Turfway. So it's not like we're going to have two racetracks running. Right. We're going to... Turfway will be in trouble, potentially, yes, very much if so. this were to happen. Um, now, we don't know where this new Latonia racetrack is going to be, right? Because right now there's a Kroger's where the old Latonia racetrack I will just say be. this, though. I drive in Latonia twice a day, and I will tell you, everything is closing in that um, the shopping center right next to it. I'm just going to throw that out yeah. there. We will Predicting see. May, I don't know, I don't know. I'll say it's Burlington is closing, um, and, and something else is closing out there. Yeah. So, yeah. So last maybe, maybe there is room. We'll I'm just throwing out. it out there. Oh, I love this story. Um, yeah. Two of my very favorite places in Northern Kentucky: Coppins at Hotel Covington and Bouquet, right down the street uh, on Main Strauss. The chefs are coming together to do something really good. So this is Mitch Aaron's and Stephen Williams. They're now investors in River Center Entertainment venues, along with Bill Butler, who runs River Center, of course. They're going to operate the three, um, the three like plaza level the ground level restaurant so it's like what is it fire biscuits to burgers and butler's Roller pantry, pantry yeah. so they're gonna run them change right. the menus and i think there's space for possibly another yes. restaurant to mm -hmm. come into so it's gonna be yummy. and then stephen williams is opening one in the new apartments or condos mm -hmm. i should say down from bouquet too so yeah. lots of good food in and the cov bad as the reds are doing mm -hmm. florence freedom is doing way better yes way better they are in their championship mm -hmm. they lost first game but last night they won the second game so they are tied up in the series so if you get a chance get out there watch florence uh freedom play they're an awesome team and it's a lot of fun it is it's, it's a fun so game, especially fun. if you've got kids bring them out there they'll have a blast yeah. speaking of which let's talk about the hope box derby we've got two guests pam smallwood and scott malo thank you guys for coming in we appreciate this thank you for having us so 
Where did the idea from the Hope Box Derby come from? I know this question, but our viewers might know. <laughs> well, uh, the, the uh, seed for it was the uh, 2008 Northern Kentucky Leadership Class, the best class. The best class ever. Um, yeah. And we were asked by uh, Chris Goddard, president of HealthPoint at the time, to create a replicable fundraising event to help the homeless of Northern Kentucky with medical care. So the money, which uh, we've raised uh, close to half a million dollars over the last 11 years, uh, we hope to raise close to $40,000 this mm -hmm. year, goes, after expenses, goes towards providing medical and dental care, uh, toiletries um, for the homeless, people who don't have what you and I have. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, Pam, tell us about the event itself and, and, and how it works and where we can go see it. Yeah, so it's actually at Roebling Point, which you um, talked about earlier. And so it's Saturday, this Saturday the 14th. Um, the race is from 2.30 to 4.30. It's Pinewood Derby Racing. Um, the registration is from 1 to 2, and it's not too late to enter. You can bring a car and join the race for $100 mm -hmm. um, that benefits Health Point's homeless program. and. Um, so we've got that going on. Um, we also have other attractions. So that day there's a large um, farmer's market that is sponsored by the Renaissance Covington um, group. And there's going to be a petting zoo from 11 to 1. And we have kids activities and bungee jumping um, in the street, the intersection of Court and Park Street. You don't get and to do that very often, you so don't. this might be the time. That's right. Um, there's live music starting at 7 that's featuring Doghouse and, of course, the Roebling Point um, restaurants and Richard Dickman and um, our sponsors, PNC and Chambers Medical Group and St. Elizabeth Healthcare and um, Schneider Electric have you know, really put a lot of effort and work into this and we hope everybody comes out. Awesome. And we mentioned a little bit here that uh, the Hope Box Derby helps out HealthPoint. Do you want to give us your mission and what you guys do? I do. Our, our mission is really to um, provide you know innovative, compassionate care. Um, and to, to provide, you know, to make it affordable and, and quality. Um, we provide medical, behavioral health, OB services, and dental services. So we, um, we see patients with Medicaid, Medicare, and commercial insurance. Um, as well as offering sliding fee scale discount services. Awesome. Lots of good to be at the Hope Box Derby. Thank you for joining us today. And speaking of the leadership, yes. This, so, so Hope Box came from a, the, the best class ever. So I'm <laughs> 2008. 2008. Um, <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Regional youth leadership and leadership classes have started this year, and they both have done their retreats. Okay. So the first retreat was uh, regional youth leadership, and they did Camp Ernst this year. Excellent. Excellent. And then uh, the leadership class actually did their retreat today, and their overnight is tonight. So they're they're currently working. That's why Don's not sitting in the corner, gotcha. watching us and making sure we're getting all this stuff right. Um, also, we have a lot of a lot of chamber events. We kind of had a little bit of a break in chamber events. We had our big annual dinner. We don't mm -hmm. usually schedule much around that, but we uh, now have our our biggest exit issues. State okay. of Northern Kentucky. This is a big next one. Tuesday. This is all the judges executive. All the judges, right? judges executive will show up and they'll give us a big rundown of what's going on across the state and, and in our region. Um, we also have a few uh, great courses that take next week, the Business Essential Series, uh, Tools for Becoming a Better Communicator, and that is uh, Jamie Glavick from okay. our friends at Scooter Media. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also there's a Workforce em uh, Employer Legal Roundtable next week. So check those out on uh, nkychamber.com slash events, along with all the other events we have. And let's not forget Kentucky's Edge. That's coming yes. up too. That's going to be a good one. Yep. Um, and we'll be talking about that coming up Yes, we've got one, another piece of technology test. Yeah. 
If you weren't at the annual dinner, um, we did some really great videos and we're going to show you one of those videos right now. Okay. The Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce has been so important to the growth and prosperity of Northern Kentucky. And it did start 50 years ago when business leadership in three different counties said, we have to stop quarreling with each other. And the Chamber knew at that time that if you had business and government working together, you were going to be successful. And then soon there were three county organizations of people who said, let's work together for Northern Kentucky. Let's work together for Northern Kentucky University, for Gateway, for a new convention center, for lots of new jobs. That all started 50 years ago with the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. The Northern Kentucky Chamber has always been the principal advocate and champion to really drive growth and to be that group that promotes so many organizations to the rest of the world as well as within this region. They've utilized programs like the Women's Initiative, uh, the International Trade Association, the Young Professionals Organization, all sorts of other programs that have helped to drive business growth and to create a great business climate and an improved economy for the Northern Kentucky region. 2016 ushered in the Republicans uh, becoming leaders in the House. So all of a sudden, all of the House Republicans in Northern Kentucky became committee chairs. And many of the top priorities that the Chamber talked about for years, repeal of prevailing wage, getting rid of the right to work requirement, things like that, you know, a lot of our economic priorities became law. And I remember going down on the Saturday where the, those bills were passed and sitting in the gallery, actually the Senate, listening to the Senator Chris McDaniel give a speech on those issues along with Senator Damon Thayer and just feeling great pride that these were things that our members had been asking for and we'd been speaking about for many years and they finally became law and the last couple of years we've seen outstanding economic growth and I think that's why. This is home and so uh, one of the most important institutions has been the chamber over the years and so it was a real honor to help shape the chamber for a couple of years. There's never been a better opportunity to live the vision that was created 50 years ago. Imagine what a strong, unified Northern Kentucky can mean. World-class education for our kids, transportation solutions that work for everyone, a healthy population that leads the country. That's the kind of legacy we want to leave behind over the next 50 years. The stage has been set, the actors are in place. Let's show the region, the state of Kentucky, our country, no, let's show the world what we're capable of as we look forward to the next 50 years. And I want to point out, Jeremy put that video together. I did. Awesome. I, it looks incredible. Yeah. With a lot of help from my boy Ben back there. Ben, of course, um, running technology. the show. Uh, all right, so our next and final guest of the day, saving the best for last, Gary Horton, who is the Strategic Relationship Manager at Gilman Partners. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right, so we promised it off the top. We're talking about kind of why why you're back. What kept you in this area? So let's, why don't you tell us your story? Um, so, well, let's start back. Okay. Take it back. Um, I was introduced to the region back in 2003 when I first stepped foot on campus at Thomas More College. Mm -hmm. So that was my introduction to the region. Yeah. And um, honestly, 
through that lens, it mm -hmm. really gave me a snapshot of what the region was all about as a student athlete. Um, so 2003 was how I got here and just fell in love with what was happening. Mm -hmm. And the region was completely different then as opposed to now. So that was my, my introduction. Um, fast forward, you know, I moved away after I graduated from college. Got my master's back at home in Louisville, Kentucky um, at the University of Louisville in Social Work. And then I got into coaching. Mm -hmm. college coach on women's basketball and bounced around and what brought me back was an opportunity to coach women's basketball at Xavier University. So that was my introduction Excellent. back to the region. Okay. So, so you uh, played and coached basketball. Yep. What got you into coaching basketball? Oh wow, I think it was people. Mm -hmm. I think it was the ability to influence and impact um, the lives of young kids who mm -hmm. had a passion for sports. Primarily that was it. So what um, skills as a player or a coach translate to being a recruiter now? Uh, you know, I think coaching, playing, it's all about relationships, mm -hmm. you know. You have to be able to interact and relate with folks from different walks of life. So as a player, I was able to really learn how to motivate others, mm -hmm. right? And as a coach, you have to learn how to motivate others too. Um, and in so many different ways, you know, those same skills translate over when you're working with clients. You might not necessarily be motivating them, but you have to relate and really uh, develop a relationship to drive and improve their business. So the skills overlap. Yeah, they, so many they, they do ways. overlap. Yeah. So you mentioned you were, you're from Louisville, mm -hmm. came up here for college, mm -hmm. went back down to Louisville, yep. and then got a cool job up here that you yeah. didn't really take. <laughs> what was your aha moment when you came back up? Like, oh wait, this is different. Yeah. I need to stay. Yeah. I think when I, when I moved back, you know, so um, the beautiful thing about going to college, you kind of reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity to move away, in my case, move away from home, move away yeah. from family, friends, and create this new identity. And I did that when I was at Thomas More. And what happens when you graduate from college, you start over again, yeah. mm -hmm. create this new identity in the workforce. Um, and as a college coach, I was really blown away with the amount of um, love and respect I would get when I tell folks that I coach college basketball at yeah. Xavier. Oh yeah, it was yeah. absolutely. An automatic yeah. conversation starter. But besides that, when I moved back to the region, it was a lot of new things going so on. So tell us about that from 2003 yeah. to when you came back, what did you yeah. see as the difference in the area? Yeah, so when I moved back, it was 2012. Okay. Um, and you know, I was familiar with Cincinnati mm -hmm. as a Thomas More student, but this was the first time ever living in Cincinnati. Yeah. And in 2012, it was right at that transitional mm -hmm. period where a lot was going on. You talk about OTR, yep. um, you know, the new stadium, mm -hmm. both the Bengals and what was going on at the banks. It was just this new synergy um, in the city. And then you cross the bridge in Northern Kentucky, it was the same thing. And there was so much more to do. And obviously, as a student, um, what I was doing was completely different. Right, right, right. But um, it was new to me, and it was excitement. And I also felt like I was at home, so that really, really yes. resonated with me as well. So this is kind of a really weird curveball question okay. that I just now thought of. Right. So you're That's from Louisville, which is not that far away. Okay. Do you do the Skyline, Cincinnati-style chili, Gold Star? Oh, man. My wife loves... <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna I take love that your question. Face you can really tell. Oh, my wife loves uh, 
gold star, mm-hmm. but I love Skyline. All right, yeah. so it's a house divided. Yes. Skyline, Skyline is the right answer, although I, I'm, I'm kind of partial to Dixie Chili. Okay. I know. Okay. They have a six way. You got to go okay. with that. Yep, yep. Okay. All right, so uh, shall we ask the question? We shall ask okay. the question. Okay, here we go. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever gotten? Wow. I think for me, you know, I, I had the luxury of learning from some incredible coaches who are leaders, mm-hmm. and then you take that same experience and you can compile with what I'm learning in the for-profit space, surrounded by a lot of great leaders. Um, and I think for me, I've learned by watching some of those folks interact and be leaders, watching leadership in action. But I think to answer the question, it boils down to a quote that I, I use all the time from John Maxwell. And it's all about people. He said, people don't care how much you know until you know how much they care. Mm-hmm. How much Until they know how much you care, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, and I think it, 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 it translates in so many different ways in order to motivate folks, yeah. in order to really drive yeah. performance. They have to know that you care. So. And it goes right back to the civility discussion from earlier in the podcast, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, if you want to read more about Gary's story, we have an article in the last business journal. How about yep. that? It was the Education Business Journal. And you can also see some of his artwork. Yeah. Really great artwork. Oh, awesome. Man, a jack of all trades. I try. Tell you what. <laughs> we're covering all the bases there. All right. Thank you, Gary. Thank we you. appreciate it. And uh, next week, I, this is this sounds very exciting. i got to be honest with you. Reading body language. Yes. That's important this day and age. Uh, uh, yeah, Virginia Braden. She came in. Um, she's a chamber member. She wanted to use the space to kind of do a little seminar. And we had one of our staff members sit in, and they were like, it's super so interesting. You've got to have them on the podcast. That's so interesting. And that's going to be one you're going to want to watch on Facebook, too. Yes, because it's going to be live. At yeah, the you're going to be able to see it. Yes. And, and you'll be able to see her yes. demonstrating. And so. Uh, so we're going to be live at the Carnegie. We're going to get to see some of that uh, new Photo Focus show nice. that's going up. Yeah. So it, it should be really interesting. So tune into that one next week. And we want to thank, once again, our title sponsor, CBG, our studio sponsor, LNN Federal Credit Union, uh, our guest, Dr. Mark Nagy, Gary Horton. Thank you very much as well. And also the folks from the Soapbox Derby, Pam Smallwood and Scott Mayloff. Thank you, Ben. I only heard one deep sigh midway was, through. Hopefully all worked. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> all right. Running the technology is always the man behind the, the music there, so we appreciate so, that. Make sure you like, subscribe, subscribe, all of that. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on the podcast networks. And we'll we will see, see you next week. week.